Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who set us free. Dear Christian friends, I still remember the day, in fact, the event, almost like it was yesterday. It was my freshman year in high school, uh, and, and really I was more concerned about just, you know, having some friends and maybe some playing time on the football team. And, and early in the school year, I was going to class one day, and I was wearing one of my favorite t-shirts. And as I was walking down the hallway, an upperclassman stopped right in front of me, pointed at my shirt, made fun of it, and laughed. And everyone else around him laughed. And all of my classmates around me laughed. And I turned red in the face and I hurried off to class. And do you know when the next time I wore that shirt was? Never. It was relegated to the back corner of the closet in my room, just like I wanted to put that memory in the back corner of the closet of my mind. I hated it. I never wanted to wear it again. Pretty stupid, isn't it? What could, what could change so drastically and so quickly from, from that being one of my favorite shirts to a shirt that I never wore again? because I wanted other people to like me. And my desire for their acceptance and their approval was greater than my desire to wear that shirt. See, because I, I was believing the lie that I think we were probably all pretty familiar with, it's the first fill in the blank this morning, the lie is that I want you, or even I need you, to like me. See, I believed that I didn't just want their approval, that I, I needed their acceptance. I needed their approval. And I showed it in my attitude, in my behavior, didn't I? Because that's what beliefs do. Our beliefs influence our attitude and our behavior, our, our thoughts and our actions. Now, you probably can, to some extent or another, relate to something like this, right? Our, our desire for social approval, it, it probably peaks in our, our teen years, those high school years. Makes them kind of tough, right? We do things that we look back now and we go, jeepers, creepers, why in the world did I tight roll my jeans? Or maybe you were too young and you missed the tight rolling phase and everybody who did that was super uncool. I actually thought about posting a few pictures up here, not your yearbook photos, but I'm curious, did you ever have a haircut that you got so that you would fit in? Perhaps a, a mullet or a flock of seagulls or something else that you thought, boy, if I have that kind of hair, I'll be in the cool group. Or a certain hairstyle, were you one of the big hair people, right? We, we do all of these different kinds of things. Why? Because we want other people to like us. Why is it so nervous, guys, when you went to ask that girl to the dance or out on a date? Why were you just so terribly nervous? Because you want her to like you. Why does it sting so bad when everybody else is invited to the party and you aren't? Because you want others to like you. Maybe you even had your own embarrassing t-shirt moment 
But all of those attitudes, all of those behaviors that flow out of that, that because we want to be liked. And we have this belief that I need, I need it, I want it, I want you to like me. I want acceptance and approval. And while that desire peaks in our, our high school teen years, it certainly doesn't end when you graduate or even when you hit 20. And if you think it does, allow me to ask you a few questions. If the right person asked you, pointed out some, some well-aimed criticism, how long would those words resonate and ring and how many days afterwards would you hear them in your head? Would you be crushed? Would it eat you up for, for days? Because then you are still believing this lie. Or contrast that, what about a well-aimed piece of flattery? Would that have you walking up in the clouds and high as a kite? in a non-Colorado way? Does the praise of others, is that what, what gets you going? Is that what really picks you up and you, you need that? Because if so, well, you're believing this lie. Is it true that others can get you to do what they want even if you don't? Can they get you to agree with something, to go along with something, even if you don't agree with it or, or have any desire to do it? But you'll do it. You'll, you'll compromise your priorities, your character, your values, maybe even your faith because you're believing this lie. Are you the perfect social chameleon? Can you fit into any group and, and nobody... Everybody thinks you blend in perfectly here and here and here, and no matter what's going on, what people are saying or what people are doing, you just fit right in because you go along with whatever they're doing no matter what. Then you might be believing this lie. For many people, that lie, I, I want you, I need you to like me, the, the desire for social acceptance and approval and love is one of the most devastating and common lies that people believe. Now, to be clear, having the desire to be liked, to fit in, to be accepted, to be loved, that's not necessarily wrong, right? In fact, if it would actually be unhealthy if you didn't want anyone to like you. That wouldn't be so good. If you didn't care if you hurt people or if you made them angry, that's not good. Because God has hardwired us to be social people, to be, to be creatures who, who want companionship, whether it's with a few or many. But God has hardwired us to desire that social interaction, social connection, to be loved and to be accepted, to fit somewhere with someone but wanting to be accepted wanting to be loved and needing there's a difference there isn't there and and here's really where the problem is it's our our first takeaway this morning that having everyone's acceptance 
and everyone's approval is impossible. We struggle to believe that in a, in a do kind of a way. We struggle to actually hold on to that truth. But we know it. You know this. I know this. Every single person who struggles with this lie knows this truth. We logically get it, right? Because if you walked into any group setting and you announced loudly, I'm a Democrat, there would be some people who would love you and there would be other people who would not. And if you walked into the same group and said, I'm a, I'm a Republican, there would be some people who would like you and some people who would not. If you walked into that same group and said, hey, let me tell you my personal religious convictions, you'd definitely lose the approval of some. If you pick anything, right, you drive a, a, a Ford, all the Chevy people don't like you. If you pick a Chevy, Ford people don't like you. You drive a giant truck, all the, the smart vehicle people don't like you. You drive an electric car, hmm. The big, the big toy hauler people look at you with disdain, right? It doesn't matter what you do, what you pick, who you are. It's impossible, impossible for everyone to like you, to accept you, to approve of you, and to love you. And it's important that we get that. The problem is we know this, but we still want it. We still strive for it. We still believe the lie that I can have it and I want it and I even need it. Here's the danger, though. We talked about a couple of weeks ago how every lie traps you. And, and when you believe something that isn't true, it traps your attitudes and your, your behaviors, your actions and your thoughts. And this lie is no less dangerous. In fact, it's probably more so. Because when you believe the lie that I need you, I want the approval, I want the love of this group, and I'm willing to do what it takes to get it, well, now you are no longer in control. Now you're no longer making decisions for your own life. Somebody else is setting your priorities. That's not what I would have chosen to do, but I went along with the group. Yeah, I don't even like going to that, but but they were going, so I, didn't. I went. You no longer have control over what you wear or what you say or where you go or how you act because you are serving someone else. You're doing what they want you to do, what they want you to say, where they want you to go. And you're willing to do it because you desire their acceptance and their approval and even their love so desperately and do you understand what you have all of a sudden done? Our second takeaway this morning makes it clear that believing this lie makes other people my God. When I try to find happiness, when I try to find love, when I try to find acceptance from someone else, from whether they do or don't approve of me, and I'm willing to do this or I'm willing to not do that, things that I normally would never say or do or would, would always do, and I'm willing to compromise on them because why? Because I desire their approval above everything else. And I've put them in the place that God and God alone desires to be. And here's the thing. 
when you do that to find happiness, when you make someone else your God, when you try to serve them, when you want their approval, do you know what's going to happen? You will never be happy. Do you know why? Because while you're out there earning, trying to earn that person's love, trying to earn their acceptance, today you might have it. Tomorrow, I'm busy. The day after, yeah, okay, we could hang out for a little while, but uh. Because human love goes up and down, right? It, it comes and goes, it fades and, and, and gains, but it's not, it's not going to stay the same. And when you make someone else your God and you try to serve them and you try to earn their favor and you try to be accepted and loved by them, you will never be happy. See, this lie is irrational and it does incredible emotional and spiritual harm. And yet we believe it. And yet we struggle with it. We want this, right? And so how in the world how in the world can we be free from it? How can you be free from, from serving others, from looking for love and acceptance and approval from other people? Well, the only thing that sets us free is the Word of God, right? We heard, we heard today, the sons, who the Son sets free is free indeed. The truth of God in His Word, what Jesus has given us, that's what sets us free. So let's take a look at our sermon text this morning. It's from Galatians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul, he was, he was a man sent by God with his message, starts out this way. Paul, that's who's writing it, an apostle, those are his credentials, not sent from men or by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, all the other Christians, right, to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or even an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So the Apostle Paul, right, he's writing to this group of Christians in the area known, known as Galatia. He had been through there. He had preached the message of Jesus the good news that Jesus is the Savior to these people who believed. And now they've, they've done a 180. They've, they've kind of wishy-washied. And the problem is, Paul is writing on the defensive, isn't he? He's writing on the defensive about himself a little bit. But really, he understands that when he's attacked, what else is attacked? 
his message, right? And he understands that the truth is under attack. And here's the problem. There were some people who were, were preaching, were, were going around and trying to discredit Paul. As elections come up, we, we know what this looks and sounds like, don't we? The, the mudslinging, the, the looking at any, for any loose thread, anything we can pull at and pick at and poke at to, to tear down and discredit the other. And, and that's what his opponents, his enemies were doing. And not just Paul's enemies, but the enemies of, of Christ, of, of the message of Jesus. And so they were pointing out that, you know who Paul used to be, right? I mean, he used to be the, leaders of, the leader of the persecution of Christians. And his name was Saul. And then he changed his name and became a Christian. And now he's trying to become a leader of the Christians. Which is it, guy? Because it you're, you're, seems like you're picking sides on, depending on you know, what today is. It sounds an awful like a, lot like a flip-flopping politician. It sounds like you're just talking out of one side of your mouth here and on the other side of the, your mouth there. Like you're just saying whatever people want to hear. To this group you tell them this, to this group you tell them that. And you know what? They even had evidence. Because they would point to Timothy and say, hey, you had him circumcised. And then they would point to Titus and say, hey, you told him not to get circumcised. Which is it? Because you're saying two different things. You're just a people pleaser. You're just wishy-washy. You're just saying what people want to hear in the moment, and then you go somewhere else and you tell them what they want to hear. You go somewhere else and you tell them what they want to hear. Don't listen to the guy. He's a false teacher. See, in the attack on his character, Paul couldn't stand it. And the reason he couldn't stand it, the reason he didn't just go along to get along or just let it go and you know, for the sake of harmony, was because it wasn't just a personal attack. It was an attack on the truth. It was an attack on the truth of God and his word, the attack on the truth that Jesus and only Jesus sets you free. And that's why he, he replies and says, hey, yeah, there were, there were times where people were, were free to get circumcised. Because they were Jewish. And for the Jews, this isn't a health thing. This is a, a religious matter. This is a spiritual thing. It's a cultural thing. It goes all the way back to Abraham and the covenant God had made with Abraham back in the Old Testament. That's a spiritual matter for them. But for the Gentiles, it's a health matter. It's not a spiritual issue. And, and they're free not to be circumcised because in Christ, we have this freedom where God has not spoken, where God hasn't said, do this or don't do that. We have freedom. And you know who sets you free? And this is what Paul wanted them to understand above everything, that they had turned away from freedom. You think Paul was the wishy-washy one. What does he say? You're the ones who turned away. You're the flip-floppers. You've abandoned the truth. Because the only thing Paul wanted to make clear was that the truth is what he always preached and taught, and it's the truth that Jesus, and only Jesus, gives you the freedom from sin, from guilt, from fear, from shame, from everything that would trap you. And so Paul wanted to make clear a truth that he understood and, and a truth that it's important that we recognize, that we know, and that we, we understand as well. It's our third takeaway this morning. It's what Paul said in verse 10, that I can't be a people pleaser and a God-pleaser at the same time. Now, if you're already thinking, but wait a minute, 
God wants me to love my family, and so when I love my family, I have fun. We're, they're being pleased. Does that mean God's not being pleased? No. This is whose approval are you seeking? This is what's your motivation? Don't look for the loopholes. Look, look for what you do. Look, for your, look at your heart, right? When you seek for the, the love, the approval of people, what are you willing to do? What people want. You're willing to serve other people, right? You're willing to do what it takes to please them, to gain their acceptance and their love. And if you are serving them, you're not serving God. They're mutually exclusive because your heart is divided, right? You have put someone else in the place that God has said to reserve for him and him alone. And when you put the, the people there, you've missed it. Isn't that what we heard Jesus talking about or, or about Jesus in our gospel reading from John 12, right? That there were people who still didn't believe him, right? The Pharisees. And then there were other people who did believe him, but what? They loved the praise of people more. See, they, in their hearts, they believed in Jesus. But with their lips, you would never have known it. Because what were they willing to do? They were willing to compromise their character, their values, their faith, and realize they were willing to compromise their Savior. Because they loved the approval of people more. Does that make you feel trapped? Because it does me. Right? Even, when, even when I know this, and I, man, I, I want to do, I know what God says, and I want to serve him, I want to please him, I want to, to do this because I know it's right, and yet there's this part of my heart that's pulled, isn't there? And it's not just out of love and concern for others. It's out of what are people going to think? What are people going to say? How is this, not just how is this going to affect others, but how is this going to make them think about me? And there's the problem, isn't it? How can we ever be free from that, from that heart that's, that's divided? Well, it comes from the truth, the truth that we find in our text, where Paul says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us. See, Jesus came for one reason and one reason alone. He came to rescue you, to set you free. Isn't that what you do when you rescue someone, when you rescue something? You set them free. Jesus came to rescue you and to rescue you from, from your sins, from the, the fear, the tyranny of being held hostage to I have to do this so that others will love me, others will accept me, others will like me. He set you free from the guilt of all the times when you've people-pleased, all the times when you've compromised your character, compromised your faith, compromised your Savior set you free from all of the times when you've served people instead of him. Jesus came to set you free, and you know what's incredible? He came fully knowing you and fully knowing me. 
Because that's the thing about pleasing others, right? We don't really want them to know who I am. I want them to know who they think I am. I want them to see me like them, but not to see the real me. I want to hide who I really am. That's why I, that's why I compromise, right? But Jesus knows who I really am, and he knows who you really are. Deep down at our, at our very core, he knows everything we say, everything we do, every time we love others, every time we, we put people in, in things in the place of God. You know what's incredible? He knew all of it, and he died anyway to free you from it. He knew it all, and he saved you from it all. He rescued you. None of the things that you have ever done or will ever do deterred Jesus from dying for you, to set you free. Do you understand what this means? It's our last takeaway this morning that in Jesus, you and I, we are fully known. God knows every last thing about us. And we are fully loved. That not because of anything we have done does he say, oh, forget it, that's too much. Nope, he knows them all. And he says, I love you. I chose you. I made you mine. See, the, the love of Christ is not this fickle love when we try to earn other people's love and happiness and acceptance that comes and goes. Today we're their best friend. Tomorrow they don't even know our name. That's not the case with Jesus. His love is so wide and so deep and so long and so high, so infinite that I don't need to go seeking the love from other people and the, the approval of other people because I am loved and approved by my God. And so are you. See, the Apostle Paul, he could write these words courageously to the Galatians. And he could risk their love. Because he knew that what he was saying to them was the truth. And he knew that he was loved. And whether they liked what he said or not, it was the truth. And whether they liked what he said or not, God loved him. And so he could boldly speak to them. And so his answer to the to the to the lie, I need to be liked, was I'm loved. And I'm loved by God himself through Jesus. And so I want you to remember that because this lie is going to come up and you're going to feel the pull of, of pleasing and striving for others and serving others and wanting to be loved by others. And when you do, when that, when that piece of well-aimed criticism by the person you respect hits home, Okay, take it to heart. Recognize it for what it is, but don't let it eat you up. Don't dwell on it for days because you are loved by God through Jesus. When the bit of flattery comes along and you're, you're tempted to let that puff you up, remember that, that you don't live for the praise of others because you've got the praise and the approval and the love of God himself who calls you his own and says, you are my special possession. You are my chosen people. You! I don't need the praise of others when I have the, when I have the praise and the acceptance of God himself. When the temptation comes along to compromise, remember who you are. 
I am God's child whom he loves. And I don't need to serve someone else. I don't need to go along and compromise on anything that God doesn't want me to, that I don't want to. Because my God loves me. Because you and I are never going to have everyone like us. There's too many people and too many opinions. Never going to have them all. But God wants you to know that, that the desire to be liked, to be loved, to be accepted and approved, it is perfectly, perfectly met by Jesus. And he does it in this beautiful way through his means of grace, his word and his sacraments, and through his Christian family. See, as you gather here today, we hear the message that I and you are loved. Not because of what we did, but because of what God did, right? That, that God demonstrates his own love for this. While we were still sinners, he died for us. That he stretched himself out on the cross and gave his life in our place. When you're struggling, when you're hurting, when you're tempted, go back to your baptism where God the Father announced to all who would hear, this is my child whom I love. Remember that. You are God's child whom he loves. That is an indisputable fact. It happened. It's true. When you come here to worship, when you come here to foundation, you're accepted. You're welcomed. You're loved. Not because of who you are or what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done for every single person here. See, we have the perfect love that we need perfectly met by Jesus through his word, through his sacraments, and through his family of believers. And I pray that you hold on to that. I wish I had known it and understood it and held on to it better when I was a teenager. I might have worn that t-shirt again. Because I want you to know, God wants you to know how much he loves you, who you are, you are who he says you are, not who others do. And he wants you to hold on to that truth because it sets you free. It sets you free from trying to please others. It sets you free from trying to find happiness from a place you'll never find it. And it sets you free to love and to serve and to please the God who loves you. Amen. May the grace and peace of our God, which goes beyond our understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen.